Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
God wrote his love on a hillside so long, long ago. For you and for me, Jesus died and loves grace.
the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. Hilltops proclaim it, she plains. Jesus is coming again. Coming in glory, the Lamb that was slain. Jesus is coming again. Coming in and again. Jesus is coming again. of earth tell the vast wandering throng Jesus is coming again tempests and whirlwinds the anthem prolong Jesus is coming again coming again coming Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
When I in awesome wonder Consider all The worlds thy hands hast made I see the stars I hear the I power throughout the universe displayed and sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And when I I scarce can take it in. And on the cross My burden gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin
sacred head for such a worm as I. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own And the joy we share As we tarry there None other He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet The birds hush their singing And the melody that he gave to me Within my heart is with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me before but he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever And melt the heart of 
crimson stain. He washed it white. He washed it white. As snow. As snow. As snow. As snow. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor within the veil, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love, through the storm, He trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love.
once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a light from heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus, let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. And you know a little fire is burning You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right Sometimes my past seems drear without a ray of cheer And then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day The myths of sin may rise and hide the starry skies But just a little talk with Jesus clears the way Now let us have a little talk with Jesus let us tell him all about our troubles He will hear our faintest cry He will answer by and by now when you feel a little prayer will turn And you, you know a little fire is burning You will find a little talk with Jesus Makes it right But my Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care. And just a little talk with my Jesus, whoa, makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turn in. And you know a little fire is burning. You will finally talk with Jesus. Finally we'll talk with Jesus. Finally we'll talk with Jesus. Makes it right. We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Talents. The Talent of Speech In seeking to correct or reform others, we should be careful of our words. They will be a savour of life unto life, or of death unto death. In giving reproof or counsel, many indulge in sharp, severe speech, words not adapted to heal the wounded soul. By these ill-advised expressions, the spirit is chafed, and often the erring ones are stirred to rebellion. All who would advocate the principles of truth need to receive the heavenly oil of love. Under all circumstances, reproof should be spoken in love. Then our words will reform, but not exasperate. 
Christ, by his Holy Spirit, will supply the force and the power. This is his work. Not one word is to be spoken unadvisedly. No evil speaking, no frivolous talk, no fretful repining or impure suggestion will escape the lips of him who is following Christ. The Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ephesians 4 verse 29. A corrupt communication does not mean only words that are vile. It means any expression contrary to the holy principles in pure and undefiled religion. It includes impure hints and covert insinuations of evil. Unless instantly resisted, these lead to great sin. Upon every family, upon every individual Christian, is laid the duty of barring the way against corrupt speech. When in the company of those who indulge in foolish talk, it is our duty to change the subject of conversation if possible. By the help of the grace of God, we should quietly drop words or introduce a subject that will turn the conversation into a profitable channel. It is the work of parents to train their children to proper habits of speech. The very best school for this culture is the home life. From the earliest years, the children should be taught to speak respectfully and lovingly to their parents and to one another. They should be taught that only words of gentleness, truth and purity must pass their lips. Let the parents themselves be daily learners in the school of Christ. Then by precept and example, they can teach their children the use of sound speech that cannot be condemned. Titus 2 verse 8. This is one of the greatest and most responsible of their duties. As followers of Christ, we should make our words such as to be a help and an encouragement to one another in the Christian life. Far more than we do, we need to speak of the precious chapters in our experience. We should speak of the mercy and loving kindness of God, of the matchless depths of the Saviour's love. Our words should be words of praise and thanksgiving, if the mind and heart are full of the love of God, this will be revealed in the conversation. It will not be a difficult matter to impart that which enters into our spiritual life. Great thoughts, noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth, unselfish purposes, yearnings for piety and holiness will bear fruit in words that reveal the character of the heart treasure. When Christ is thus revealed in our speech, it will have power in winning souls to Him. We should speak of Christ to those who know him not. We should do as Christ did. Wherever he was, in the synagogue, by the wayside, in the boat thrust out a little from the land, at the Pharisees' feast or the table of the publican, he spoke to men of the things pertaining to the higher life. The things of nature, the events of daily life, were bound up by him with the words of truth. The hearts of his hearers were drawn to him, for he had healed their sick, had comforted their sorrowing ones, and had taken their children in his arms and blessed them. When he opened his lips to speak, their attention was riveted upon him, and every word was to some soul a savour of life unto life. So it should be with us. Wherever we are, we should watch for opportunities of speaking to others of the Saviour. If we follow Christ's example in doing good, hearts will open to us as they did to him. Not abruptly, but with tact born of divine love, we can tell them of him who is the chiefest among ten thousand, and the one altogether lovely. Canticles 5 verses 10 and 16. 
This is the very highest work in which we can employ the talent of speech. It was given to us that we might present Christ as the sin-pardoning Saviour. Influence The life of Christ was an ever-widening, shoreless influence, an influence that bound him to God and to the whole human family. Through Christ, God has invested man with an influence that makes it impossible for him to live to himself. Individually, we are connected with our fellow men, a part of God's great whole, and we stand under mutual obligations. No man can be independent of his fellow men, for the well-being of each affects others. It is God's purpose that each shall feel himself necessary to others' welfare and seek to promote their happiness. Every soul is surrounded by an atmosphere of its own, an atmosphere, it may be, charged with the life-giving power of faith, courage and hope, and sweet with the fragrance of love. Or it may be heavy and chill with the gloom of discontent and selfishness, or poisonous with the deadly taint of cherished sin. By the atmosphere surrounding us, every person with whom we come in contact is consciously or unconsciously affected. This is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence. Upon the impression thus made, there hang results for good or evil which no man can measure. Every impulse thus imparted is seed sown which will produce its harvest. It is a link in the long chain of human events, extending we know not whither. If by our example we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. In their turn, they exert the same influence upon others, and they upon still others. Thus, by our unconscious influence, thousands may be blessed. Throw a pebble into a lake, and a wave is formed, and another and another. And as they increase, the circle widens until it reaches the very shore. So with our influence... Beyond our knowledge or control, it tells upon others in blessing or in cursing. Character is power. The silent witness of a true unselfish godly life carries an almost irresistible influence. By revealing in our own life the character of Christ, we cooperate with him in the work of saving souls. It is only by revealing in our life his character that we can cooperate with him. And the wider the sphere of our influence, the more good we may do. When those who profess to serve God follow Christ's example, practicing the principles of the law in their daily life, when every act bears witness that they love God supremely and their neighbor as themselves, then will the church have power to move the world. But never should it be forgotten that influence is no less a power for evil. To lose one's own soul is a terrible thing. But to cause the loss of other souls is still more terrible. That our influence should be a savour of death under death is a fearful thought. Yet this is possible. Many who profess to gather with Christ are scattering from him. This is why the church is so weak. Many indulge freely in criticism and accusing. By giving expression to suspicion, jealousy and discontent, they yield themselves as instruments to Satan. Before they realize what they are doing, the adversary has through them accomplished his purpose. The impression of evil has been made, the shadow has been cast, the arrows of Satan have found their mark. 
distrust, unbelief, and downright infidelity have fastened upon those who otherwise might have accepted Christ. Meanwhile, the workers for Satan look complacently upon those whom they have driven to scepticism and who are now hardened against reproof and entreaty. They flatter themselves that in comparison with these souls they are virtuous and righteous. They do not realize that these sad wrecks of character are the work of their own unbridled tongues and rebellious hearts. It is through their influence that these tempted ones have fallen. So, frivolity, selfish indulgence, and careless indifference on the part of professed Christians are turning away many souls from the path of life. Many there are who will fear to meet at the bar of God the results of their influence. It is only through the grace of God that we can make a right use of this endowment. There is nothing in us of ourselves by which we can influence others for good. If we realize our helplessness and our need of divine power, we shall not trust to ourselves. We know not what results a day, an hour, or a moment may determine, and never should we begin the day without committing our ways to our Heavenly Father. His angels are appointed to watch over us, and if we put ourselves under their guardianship, then in every time of danger they will be at our right hand. When unconsciously we are in danger of exerting a wrong influence, the angels will be by our side, prompting us to a better course, choosing our words for us, and influencing our actions. Thus our influence may be a silent, unconscious, but mighty power in drawing others to Christ and the heavenly world. Time. Our time belongs to God. Every moment is His, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to His glory. Of no talent He has given will He require a more strict account than of our time. The value of time is beyond computation. Christ regarded every moment as precious, and it is thus that we should regard it. Life is too short to be trifled away. We have but a few days of probation in which to prepare for eternity. We have no time to waste, no time to devote to selfish pleasure, no time for the indulgence of sin. It is now that we are to form characters for the future immortal life. It is now that we are to prepare for the searching judgment. The human family have scarcely begun to live when they begin to die, and the world's incessant labor ends in nothingness unless a true knowledge in regard to eternal life is gained. The man who appreciates time as his working day will fit himself for a mansion and for a life that is immortal. It is well that he was born. We are admonished to redeem the time, but time squandered can never be recovered. We cannot call back even one moment. The only way in which we can redeem our time is by making the most of that which remains by being co-workers with God in His great plan of redemption. In Him who does this, a transformation of character takes place. He becomes a son of God, a member of the royal family, a child of the heavenly King. He is fitted to be the companion of the angels. Now is our time to labor for the salvation of our fellow men. There are some who think that if they give money to the cause of Christ, this is all they are required to do. The precious time in which they might do personal service for him passes unimproved. But it is the privilege and duty of all who have health and strength to render to God active service. 
all are to labor in winning souls to Christ. Donations of money cannot take the place of this. Every moment is freighted with eternal consequences. We are to stand as minutemen, ready for service at a moment's notice. The opportunity that is now ours to speak to some needy soul the word of life may never offer again. God may say to that one, This night thy soul shall be required of thee, and through our neglect he may not be ready. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. In the great judgment day, how shall we render our account to God? Life is too solemn to be absorbed in temporal and earthly matters in a treadmill of care and anxiety for the things that are but an atom in comparison with the things of eternal interest. Yet God has called us to serve Him in the temporal affairs of life. Diligence in this work is as much a part of true religion as is devotion. The Bible gives no endorsement to idleness. It is the greatest curse that afflicts our world. Every man and woman who is truly converted will be a diligent worker. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. a short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lineagejourney.com Remember, remember the 5th of November gunpowder, treason and plot I see no reason why Guy Fawkes should ever be forgot A short rhyme that I along with numerous other children growing up in England learned in school and yet today it seems that many have forgotten the story In the early 1600s, England was under a Protestant king, King James. Born in Edinburgh Castle, he ascended to the Scottish throne, and when the Scottish and English thrones merged in 1603, he became the king of England as well. King James is best known for the translation of the Bible that is named after him translated over a period of five years and released in 1611. It is a masterpiece of the English language, shaping many of the terms and phrases that we use today. Had the gunpowder plot in 1605 been successful, it is likely that the work of translation would have stopped. crown of England had gone back and forth between Catholic and Protestant hands in the early to mid 16th century, but during the reign of Elizabeth I, some stability had been brought to the throne. Despite this, it was the dream of Catholics, both at home and abroad, to restore a Catholic monarch to the throne. An audacious plot was launched to assassinate the king, not by a bullet, or by poison, but by blowing up the Houses of Parliament during the state's opening of Parliament, thus not only killing the King, but also many of his close advisers and members of Parliament. It was then the hope of the Catholics to bring a new monarch and government to England. In those days, security was not what it is today. 
and they were able to rent a space underneath Parliament which they filled with 36 barrels of gunpowder. This huge supply of explosives could not be detonated remotely and someone had to light it manually and that job fell to Guy Fawkes. Fawkes, born in York, had worked for several years in the Spanish army as an explosives expert and whilst he was not a major player in this plot, due to the role that he played, his name is etched in history and he is the one best remembered. Up to this point, everything had been kept top secret, but there was to be a fortunate leak. Just prior to the 5th of November, an anonymous letter was sent to William Parker, warning him not to attend Parliament on that day. Suspicion was aroused and a thorough search of the building took place, whereby they found Guy Fawkes and his stash of gunpowder. He was taken to the Tower of London and tortured until he gave up the names of his fellow conspirators. The coherence of his signature before and after his torture reveals the severity of his punishment. Eventually, they captured and executed all those involved in the plot, including the ringleader, Robert Catesby. The King and Parliament had been saved. England had been spared another bloody takeover and Protestantism remained the dominant religion. Today, this event is commemorated in every village, town and city across the country with bonfires being lit. And an event often fondly known as Bonfire Night. In a country that has remained independent for hundreds of years, this is perhaps the closest thing to a national or Independence Day celebration. Something that stands out from this episode of history is how thin and fragile the line is between freedom and tyranny. A famous person once said that your freedom and mine cannot be separated. And yet today we live in a society where if someone's rights are being abused, people are more likely to film it on their mobile phones than they are to stop and do something to help. May we defend our freedoms, civil and religious, any time they come under attack, and the freedoms of others if we ever see them under threat as well. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com.